Be encouraged. Welcome to a podcast centered around being encouraged, being an encouragement to someone, and being encouraged, replacing fear with unwavering trust. I hope you are encouraged today by a message from Michelle Reynolds. No matter what phase you are in in life, you can be encouraged in Christ. Okay, so we are doing the book of Jeremiah. The very first thing I want you to notice is I say, pray as we prepare, pray as we learn, and pray as we apply. I am always terrified when I get up here and speak in front of anybody. So I am trembling on the inside. It may not seem like it, but I'm shaking, okay? So I want to stop and pray, and I want y'all to pray for me as we go through this lesson, okay? So let's just uh, give God our attention. Father God, thank you so much that we can come here and just spend time in your word. I pray that you will be glorified through everything that we say and do. God, I pray that you will speak through me and to me. Um, I just pray that you will be here in this moment and help us to listen to whatever it is that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first thing is I want you to notice the breakdown in our lessons. So my goal is not to interpret scripture for you. I know and believe that the best interpreter is the Holy Spirit. So as you read scripture, the Spirit will teach you and talk to you. So my job or my goal is to help you have a better understanding of the book of Jeremiah. So as you read, you can kind of have some insight to what's going on, okay? So week one, I'm gonna share my testimony about how we got here and we're gonna do an introduction of the whole book. Then for week two, we're gonna do a historical context in chapters one through seven. Then week three, eight through 25, week four, 26 through 46. And we're really gonna focus on um, 30 through 33, which is the book of comfort. Week five, 47 through 51. And then week six, we're gonna do the last chapter and the biblical application. So I know the best way for us to learn is to know and understand what God was telling to the people of their day. We are going to learn what was happening in their time frame, and then we will see how that applied to our life, okay? So week one, my personal testimony about how we got here. If you are here, it is because God was very intentional from the beginning. So I'm going to kind of go back to 2021, okay? Um, I realized that I am not good at keeping New Year's resolutions. You know, I just realized that that was me trying to do outward things to have an inward change that never works. So I started to ask God about a word and a Bible verse for the year. What is something that when I was stuck, I could go back and say, okay, this is the last thing God told me to do. This is what I'm supposed to focus on. My word for 2021 was wait. And I'm very impatient. <laughs> so waiting was hard. Don't shake your head at me. Um, Waiting was very hard, but my, my marriage was also tested in 2021. And so every time I wanted to break and run and that thinking that a divorce would be easier or not dealing with things would be easier, my word was to wait, wait on God. And so I have a friend who's a, um, a more seasoned lady um, and she's more mature in her faith. I would go to her and I would talk to her. And every time I would talk to her about my marriage, she would always say, God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a plan for your life. And I was just like, oh, whatever. That's just a, that's a verse everybody kind of throws out there. And I didn't really, I appreciated her thought and her love 
but I never really sought God on that verse. Okay. And so at the end of 2021, I started to ask God, what is going to be my word or my verse for 2022? What is it that you want me to focus on for 2022? And so I went to a birthday party that my friends gave to me. And one of the, um, one of the activities were, was that we were supposed to pick a Bible verse from a jar. And whatever verse we picked out from that jar, we had to explain why we thought the Holy Spirit gave us that verse. My verse was Jeremiah 29, 11. And so when I read the verse, um, not even realizing it in that moment, it wasn't until later, but when I read the verse, I said that um, because of how I grew up and because of the things that I experienced, I never could let my guard down and just be happy. The moment that I was happy, I always felt like the rug was going to be pulled from under my foot. I always felt like, you know, that saying, you waiting for the shoe to drop, you waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, I always kind of felt like the moment I was happy or the moment that things were going good, something wrong was going to happen and I was just going to be miserable again. And so when I read that verse, all I could think about was God has a plan for me. And even in the bad things, he uses those things for our good. So I was like, okay, God, it's Jeremiah 29, 11, my verse. And so that ended up, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 12, ended up being my focal verse for the whole year. I wrote it on my mirror. I made a journal. I put it all over the place. It's the screensaver on my phone. That was my reminder. God has a plan for my life. Well, I was thinking we were going to start a business. We were going to go and have these big grand things happen. And instead, he started to take things away from me. He said, no more serving in church, no more children's sermon. So if you notice, I stopped the first half of the year doing children's sermon, and it wasn't until later this year that I even picked that back up. No more teaching on when, no more doing anything. I even was supposed to stop going to seminary, and I was only allowed to read the book of Jeremiah. And a big part of that was because I was getting arrogant in the fact that I was gaining knowledge. I was in seminary, I was learning all this stuff. I was getting prideful, and so he stripped that away from me. So I could only read the book of Jeremiah, and every time I read it in one translation and was finished, I had to go back and reread it again in a different translation. So I have, for the entire year of 2022, the only book of the Bible I have read and studied was the book of Jeremiah. I have read it in the NIV, the ESV, the NLT, the, M the message version. That's the only thing that I could read. And at first I was very angry with God. I was upset because I didn't understand why everything that I was doing was for good. I was spreading his message, I was learning his word, but he knew my heart, he knew my heart posture and he needed to fix that in me. So when it came that time for me to finish the year up and I was asking God, okay, what do you want me to do with everything that you've taught me? The same week I was praying that, Roger came and asked me if I would be willing to teach a Bible study. And so when I went to God and said, okay, what am I supposed to do? My word was to teach this Bible study, okay? So you are here on purpose. God has taken the last two years of my life and rung me through the ringer for us to be here, okay? So that's my testimony. <laughs> now, Sunday school questions. What is the Bible? This is your time to interact and talk to me. What is the Bible? God's word. Okay. <clears throat> Who wrote the Bible? See if this, come on, these Sunday school questions, people. 
huh? God's people, okay? So man wrote the Bible divinely inspired by God, okay? Now, how many books are there? How many books of the Bible are there? 66. Now, we know who wrote the Bible, what the Bible is. We know how many books are in the Bible. What are the genres of the Bible? Miss Donna, you have a poster posted up in your Sunday school class. You know the answer. What are the genres of the Bible that help us to understand what they mean? What? The different divisions? Yes, the different divisions. Okay, we can call them divisions. History? Okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I'm going to give y'all a cheat sheet. You see my cheat sheet up there? All right. So we have narrative, and this is, they vary in terms, but narrative, poetry, wisdom, prophecy, gospels, epistles, and um, I can't say this word, apocalypse, apocalypse. Okay. So what book of the Bible, what do you think Jeremiah is? Prophecy. That's right. Okay. Prophecy. In popular usage, prophecy means prediction of things to come. Biblical prophecy is God's message to his people and leaders who rule them in God's place. So anytime you think about prophecy, anytime we read one of the books of the prophets, one thing or two things that you need to remember, they always going to have something about judgment because we are flawed people and we are always in need of correction. God is always correcting his people. Okay, another thing you will notice is that there's a message of hope, okay? Because God is always working out his entire plan from the beginning, his redemptive work. So there's always gonna be a better ending to come, okay? There's always gonna be hope in it somewhere. So we have judgment and then hope. Prophecy. There are two simplistic approaches to prophecy, the predictive element and God's message to the present situation. Just like you noticed from my testimony, um, yes, I was going through something in that moment. Something was happening in that present moment of my life, but God had a bigger picture in view. I couldn't see that bigger picture. I, don't, I didn't see it until after I looked back, but God had something bigger, okay? So he, he wasn't just working in the moment. He had something to come. All right. And then if you look at any of the prophets, they were in, they were doing life with the people that they were talking to. The people who they were proclaiming their message to, they lived with them. They dealt with drama and chaos with them. You know, they went through things with them. They, so it's the predictive element and then God's message to the present situation. So let's look at the predictive element. Okay, I have here that since creation, God has been working a plan out for humankind, okay? God does not forget where he's going or where he's been. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what happened. And we may not understand that, but God does. And he allows his prophets to be a part of that. So I have here Amos chapter 3, verse 7. And it says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So again, like I said, it's not just to the present situation. It's always talking about what's going to happen and what they're being judged or what they need to repent of and be refined of, okay? God's message to the present situation. 
Um, give me some examples of the way. I'm gonna hide my little cheat sheet if I can. Oh, I can't. Well, if you need to look, go ahead and look. But give me some examples of what you think or what you remember the prophets used to talk to the people about. When you, when, when you think about prophets in the Old Testament, what are some of the things that they um, condemned or talked to the people or pointed out to the people that they needed to repent of? Idolatry. Idolatry, yeah. What else? I'm going to give you all the cheat sheet. Go ahead and look. Okay, we had idol, idolatry. What else? We had paganism. paganism, yeah, well, and what else? False prophets, greedy, greedy. people not treat, oppression. Um, this was the one that got me, the very last one I put. A greedy woman who drives their husbands to evil practices so that they can live a life of luxury. Yeah. And so we still have that going on today. Hey, don't do that. Look at her like that. <laughs> How we look often affects how we feel. How we feel often affects our actions. Be Encouraged Resale Ministry is a small storefront on Main Street in Bunky, Louisiana, where we are striving to help everyone look their best, feel their best, and act their best. We sell high-end brands at less than reasonable prices. You can purchase several different name brand items at a low cost. You can also stop by if you need to feel loved. Our goal is to show the love of Christ by meeting the needs of His people. If we can help you in any way, we will. Stop by 231 Southwest Main Street in Bunky, Louisiana, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Alright, the word prophet, the Greek word prophet is how I guess you say it. Um, it means one who speaks for God and interprets his will, okay? The word is composed of two elements. The second means to speak, and the first means to, um, like, forth beforehand, okay? So basically, it's a spokesman, okay? Somebody who goes and proclaims the message of God before it happens. The Hebrew is navi, the term that the Greeks attempted to translate, okay? And it means to call, um, or one who is called. And I have here some other terms that you can find when you read in this scripture that is equivalent to a prophet, okay? So the first one is the seer. And we see this one in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. And it says, formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, come let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Some other terms is a man of God, watchman, messenger of Yahweh, or a man of the spirit. Okay, and then now we're gonna talk about some characteristics of the prophets, and then we're gonna go and talk about the characteristics of Jeremiah specifically. So the three characteristics of a prophet is ecstatic behavior, he's called by God, and he is of good character. And we're going to talk about that part, too, of good character, because I don't want y'all to think that they were perfect. We all know that they weren't perfect. A lot of them were very flawed, but God still used them because of their devotion to him, okay? So, ecstatic behavior. A prophet is captured by God's word and compelled to declare it to God's people. Now, um, Jeremiah did not have a, a moment where he fell out on the ground and God shook him or anything like that. He, he exhibited normal behavior, but he 
he remained his conscious he remained conscious meaning that he didn't go into la la land or imaginary he was well aware of what was happening he was able to communicate and talk to god okay and the forms of a um, ecstatic behavior could be a external or internal meaning they can happen where they can see objects or it can be where they hear some god speak to their heart okay jeremiah saw a boiling pot and an almond tree and we're going to talk about that more too the call jeremiah was reluctant so one of the things here that i noticed is that when i in my study is that every prophet had a their own unique call okay nobody had the same exact thing happen to them um, when God called them to come and serve, okay? They each had their own experience. So Jeremiah was reluctant and contended with God. Amos had a single call, just a few examples. And Ezekiel cites the day, month, and year of several of his calls, okay? The character, we're going to talk about that. But the prophet wholeheartedly ded was dedicated to Yahweh and to obedience. Who is Jeremiah the prophet? All right, can y'all see my little map or it's real tiny? Um, Jeremiah was born in Antioch, north of Jerusalem, the son of Hilkiah the priest. Jeremiah was probably born shortly after 650 AD. So I kind of wanted to give y'all some backstory here too about, um, as we go more into Jeremiah, you'll understand why this is important, okay? But back in 1 Kings, um, when Adoniah tried to usurp the throne from Solomon, okay? Adoniah went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mom, and asked if he can have a, a bihag, it's how you pronounce her name, hand in marriage, but he was trying to pull a ruse on the throne, okay? He was trying to sneak his way into um, taking the throne from Solomon. So when Solomon realized this when Bathsheba went to go and talk to Solomon and asked him to let any um Adoniah have Abiha hand in marriage Solomon in his wisdom realized what was going on and said no I'm going to kill him and everybody who was loyal to him and that's exactly what Solomon did okay so this guy um Abathar was one of the high priests in David's home and with Solomon and he, he had sided with Adoniah, okay? But Solomon had agreed to be obedient to David's wish and not kill Abathar. So instead, he banished him to Antioch, okay? So it is believed that Jeremiah is a descendant of Abathar who was banished to Abathar, okay? Everybody following along? That's a lot of names, right? But his priestly lineage is going to make sense as we go through the scripture and we talking and he's um, having issues with his family members who are of priestly lineage. OK, so that's why it was important for us to know that. But this is what First Kings chapter two, verse 23, I mean, 26 through 27 says to Avatar, the priest, the king said, go back to your fields and Anathoth. You deserve to die, but I will not put you to death now because you carried the ark of the sovereign Lord before my father David and shared all my father's hardships. So Solomon removed Abathar from the priesthood of the Lord, fulfilling the word the Lord has spoken at Shiloh about the house of Eli. Okay, and again, I have here that we'll understand this a little bit more 
um, as we go throughout the chapter. And then I also have here that Josiah, which is one of the kings during the time of Jeremiah's um, ministry, him and Jeremiah are believed to be about the same age, okay? And that's going to make sense when you see those time stamps. As you're reading throughout the scripture, we're going to learn about how when a chapter opens up and it says it's during the reign of King Josiah or King Zedekiah, um, you'll learn that if it was under King Josiah, it was a probably a good time because he was a good king. If it was under one of the other ones, they were doing a lot of evil stuff. So those are time stamps to kind of let you know what was happening during that time, okay, that climate. Jeremiah's call. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. So remember the three things. What did I say had to be the three things to make somebody a true prophet? Ecstatic behavior. He called, and what else? Character. Okay, so this is his call. Chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. The, then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words on your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Okay? Jeremiah 11 through 12. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And I absolutely love the translation of scripture because this is so cool to me. Now, y'all seem like y'all might be a little bored with it, but it's cool to me, okay? It says that the use of sequid, Okay, I don't know how to pronounce that, but I'm going to just pronounce it the best way I can, which means almond branch is a signal that God is so quick watching over Jeremiah. So just that change in that one letter makes it a whole new word. But the, the idea of the almond branch and then God watching over him was just fascinating to me, okay? But that, that was how it would look in the original translation. All right, God's command and 40 years of Jeremiah's suffering. Um, Jeremiah could not marry or have children. Celibacy was rare among Jews and undoubtedly reinforced people's, reinforced people's suspicion of the emotional of Jeremiah's emotional health. Okay, so Jeremiah's singleness and was also a prophetic symbolism. Okay, it meant that because he was um, single and barren, didn't have children, that the land will be barren because of their wickedness, okay? And we're, we're going to kind of go more into that, too. Um, that's going to be found in Chapter 16. All right, his suffering. He received opposition from his family and co a coalition of priests and prophets charged with blasphemy uh, for predicting the temple's destruction, okay? Um, he had two encounters with death. He was put in stocks, and then he was also thrown in a cistern, and he was saved by someone we're going to learn about, too. He faced the anger of King Jehoiakim, and then he struggled with false prophets, people who were going around telling everybody that things were going to be great, nothing was going to happen, everything was all good, um, but they were just telling people what they wanted to hear, so he had to deal with them, okay? Last slide, and we almost done. Uh, Jeremiah's character, okay? He was personally honest in his relationship with God. Um, chapter 15, verse 17 says, I never sat in the company of revealers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. Verse 
chapter 20, verse 7. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. So this one right here was probably one of the biggest takeaways I took from the book of Jeremiah. And it is because I fell into the good Christian image, you know, and I even fell into that in my relationship with God. I knew what scripture had to say. I knew what the right words were to say when I went to God in prayer, but I never went to him. Well, I'm not going to say never. I went through a phase where I didn't go to him in all honesty and transparency because I was like, well, you're supposed to have respect for the Lord. You're not supposed to tell him those things. You're not supposed to think those things. Um, I felt like it was wrong to be angry with God when there were many a times where I was really frustrated or angry and upset. But I went to him saying, you're a great God. You're a faithful God. You're going to work this out. And when the inside, I was like, what are you doing? What is going on? This is not the plan. I don't like this. And so it took for me to get to a point to where I could be authentic with God and authentic with myself. And when I was he moved. He answered me. You know, he met me where I was, and I was better as a result of it, okay? So I admire this part of Jeremiah's character because there are several chapters or verses throughout the chapters where he's telling God exactly what's burdening him, and but then he goes back and say, but I trust you, but I know that you're in control. But he was honest with him, okay? He was courageous in living out his convictions, Um he was passionate in his hatred of immoral or unspiritual conduct. Um, he combined sensitivity to his people's suffering and a gracious humanity. And he was also optimistic and hopeful. All right, I'm done. That was quick and easy, right? Let's pray real quick. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you that we were able to get through these slides and kind of just get a general understanding of what we're going to be getting into in the next few weeks. I pray that you would speak to us throughout this week and prepare our hearts as we come back and go through your word again next week. I just thank you again for using me, even though I'm so imperfect and flawed, God. And I just give this over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you today. Please share and come back next week for another episode of Be Encouraged.